welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is David Sherman. David is the General Manager of Western Australia for Kennards Hire in Australia. Growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, David was exposed to rental at a fairly young age through Home Depot and also did a stint at A to Z Equipment before eventually migrating to Australia and getting the opportunity with Kennards Hire. David, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry? Yeah, thank you. So it's kind of interesting. I think most people that end up in hire, they don't, you know, you never plan on getting into the hire industry. So I was much the same. So I kind of fell into it. Uh, I was 18 years old and working at Home Depot just part-time while I finished up high school. And I started just on the front, loading up customers with concrete timber and, and, you know, just pushing carts and kind of odds and ends. And one of the guys I've become friends with, he, he worked in tool rental and he came up and said, you know, there's an opportunity for a position in there. And he said, you, know, you think he'd be, think he, he thought I'd be a good fit. So put my, kind of put my hat in the ring and ended up getting that job. And I ended up working there for four, about four years while I finished up high school. And then even when I kind of transitioned and started university, I ended up, um, a job opportunity came up with A to Z equipment, which is another local Arizona based hire company. And so I worked there while I finished, while I got my degree at ASU. And even while I was going to ASU, I kind of figured that when I'm done and I graduate, I'd, I'd go out and get a, a business job and work 10 hours in a cubicle. And I kind of had this epiphany one day that I don't think I'm really suited for that. And I was you know, really enjoying my time working in the industry. So I ended up, ended up just uh, kind of sticking with the, the hire industry. So let's go, let's go back to the Home Depot side. So when you're working there in the hardware department and working through it, what, what was the offering of for rental in Home Depot back then? And what, what year are we talking? Oh, so this is 2000 and Home Depot started tool rental or got into the tool rental game. I think it was 95. So it's still, it still early kind of in the infancy and, and obviously wasn't part of the conceptual planning for what, what they did, but from what I could tell, you know, they, the strategy seemed to be they took very kind of simple, profitable and complementary items to what, you know, they, they're primarily a hardware store. So tradies would go and buy paint. They'd come and grab a sprayer from us. They'd go in and buy a pallet of concrete. They'd grab a concrete mixture on their way out. And that was at that point, that was pretty much what it was just kind of those bread and butter items. They had lots of them. I mean, we had we had, I think we had 20 something airless sprayers at our, at our one, one site. So mm-hmm. there was times where for, you know, eight hours a day, I, I knelt down with a, a rag and a bottle of thinners and just cleaned, clean sprayers and put new you know hose covers on and, and did that. So it was um, kind of smaller divisions. Usually I think we had four or five people working there, but it, it was actually a good setup. We had a little wash bay couple of mechanics in back. And then we had, you know, the front counter people that were more customer service contracts and, and loading, unloading equipment and doing just general servicing. Mm. Yeah. Cause when you look at something like Bunnings today, like they've definitely got an offering, but it seems like that Home Depot model was so much more advanced and, and sort of forward thinking. Uh, when you, I think they're the fifth largest rental business in the U S now just by scale, which is kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think, I think when I look back, 
Home Depot was an actual, it was an actual tool rental store. Like I said, so we had, we had the front, which was storage and, and equipment ready for customers. But in back, it was, we had an actual workshop. It was a, a small wash bay area. We do some servicing out front if we needed. And at the time it was, it was smaller equipment. I think the, one of the biggest pieces of equipment we probably had at the time was like a 1030 ditch, witch, like a decent sized trailer bowl ditch, witch. but it wasn't, it, it definitely wasn't just the Bunnings, you know, kind of small sanders and, and play compactors. It was, it was a proper kind of proper tool rental setup. Mm, you can see exactly how it, it works really well with the tradies that come in that are trying to solve one problem. And then rather than going to multiple locations to pick up equipment, get everything all in one place. So I think when over the next few years, we're going to see more and more developments in that space for sure. Yeah, I think I definitely think so. I think even the States has done that for a long time, but I think they're even pushing it further with, I think Walmart's starting to get into the higher, higher systems, you know, partnering with Sunbelt and some other stuff that they're really pushing forward with. Hey, Rental Journal podcast listeners. Did you know that most salespeople spend less than 50% of their time actually selling? Arrow lives at the intersection of your systems you use most. So you can replace the many with one just simple, powerful tool. Generate, manage, and close deals inside Arrow. Manage inventory and send quotes in just three clicks. Not only is Arrow a sales tool, but it's also a growth tool. Run marketing campaigns right out of Arrow to your ad and social accounts, text and share products with customers directly, and get text responses in Arrow chat. Best of all, no data entry. Finally, a powerful way to close deals from anywhere. Unlock your growth with Arrow, the tool built for the heavy equipment industry to generate, manage, and close big deals in a simple, powerful way. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, but be sure to shoot Arrow a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to learn more. So, so you finished university degree, you thought you're going to work in a cubicle, you decided that you, lo- you fell in love with hire. What happened then? Yeah, so I, I stayed with A to Z. I think I was with A to Z for four or five years as well, and kind of coming transition period in life. So I was actually in 2010, my wife Bianca and I were going to move to New York. She's a graph designer and New York's like the place to be for, for graph designers. So we actually, before we kind of got you know, started with our life, we decided to take kind of a honeymoon period, whatever it was, and, and come visit her family. They had emigrated to, to Australia a few years prior. So we said we'd come out, visit them, and then over to New York. So we come out to Queensland and we spent about three weeks here just traveling around, you know, Brisbane and, and headed up north to the Whit Sundays. And we get back to head back over to the States and it's, it's literally 4 a.m. in the morning. And I was going to take Bianca to the airport. She was going to fly over to New York. And then I was going to drive a truck across with our stuff. And it's four in the morning, a couple suitcases in hand, out the door. And she stops in the middle of the doorway and says, I think we should do a working holiday in Australia. And I'm like, awesome. So we literally brought the stuff back inside and, and, you know, went to bed because it was four in the morning, but woke up and started just doing a bit of planning for what you had to do. And at that time, if you're under 30, no kids, couple hundred bucks, you can, you can do a working holiday in Australia. So that was literally two months later, we were uh, kind of on a plane headed over to, to Brisbane. Wow. That almost like a movie. <laughs> yeah. A bad, wow. mo- a bad movie at times, but it was, it, it worked out well. 
Uh, it's good to hear that you're quite flexible. I think most people might get a bit more stressed by that sort of answer to say, nope, I've changed my mind as we're walking out the door. To be honest with you, I, I was okay moving to New York, but I'm not really a, a New York type person. I was, I was, you know, I've always, even as a kid, I was dreaming of kind of coming to Australia and exploring and stuff. So it was, it was a no brainer for me. It was a pretty easy, she didn't have to sell me too hard on it, not going to New York. So cool. So then how eventually did you get introduced to Ken Atsaya? So basically when, I, when we got over here, I thought it was just going to be kind of a, a gap year type thing. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to get set up into, you know, a career or anything. So I, I actually just started working with my father-in-law. He owned a Sinorama at the time. So I just went to work for him. Everything was going pretty cruisy. And then kind of six months into the working holiday, we got kind of a surprise that Bianca was pregnant not overly planned. And I think that was when it kind of hit me that we were in this transition period. We didn't really, we didn't really live anywhere. We were just in this gap year and it, it all worked out. She ended up getting sponsored from her work so we could stay on a new visa in Australia. And I think at that point was when I was like, all right, well, it's time, you know, we're going to be here for a little while. I still love the hire industry. So I, I literally just in Brisbane, I Googled, you know, equipment hire Brisbane. And the top two hits were Kennards and Coates. And when I opened up Kennards, you know, I saw it, it was the similarities between Kennards and A to Z equipment were, were really close. I think, I think A to Z started in 1960, family-owned business and very big on the values and customer service. And it, so it was a fairly easy decision to kind of take that path. So I literally just on the way home from, from work the one time I stopped into the local Kennards hire on the way home and Coincident enough, Lance Hawes, who's now the GM over in Vic, he he came out and I think he was two IC at the time. He came out and said good day, and and we just had a had a chat for a few minutes, and he passed passed my information on to Jamie Bache, who was his area manager at the time, and had an interview. And a couple weeks later, started over at Bowen Hills in in Brisbane. Wow! So literally, if your if your wife didn't stop you from getting on that plane or like getting in that truck and driving across America. You wouldn't even have a career within Kanata. No, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be. We might have came to visit Australia at some point, but it would have just been for a holiday. So, wow. And so, how many years have you worked at Kanata now? 11. Yeah, coming up to coming up to 11. Wow, that's amazing. So, so what are some of the roles you've had? Because I've noticed you've worked in multiple states as well. Uh, do you just want to talk through some of them? Yes. Yeah, so, I started, I started at Kennards uh, just as a service person driver over in Bowen Hills. So that was in 2011, and I'll never forget it. So when I started, it was the end end of Feb, and we had just had those major floods in in Brisbane. So when I got there, the you know the the place was in a bit of turmoil just because they had just gotten inundated with. They didn't get flooded, but everybody around did. So the wash bay wasn't a wash bay. It was it was packed to the brim with pressure washers, carpet cleaners, vacuums, blowers. So my first first week was literally just, hey, you know what you're doing? Yep, I'm good. Started servicing equipment as fast as I could to get it out to customers to get their to get their houses and businesses cleaned up and back in back in line. So I always service person driver, and I worked kind of worked my way up at Bowen Hills to two IC, and eventually got a branch manager's position and ran Bowen Hills for I think four years. And in 2017, a job opportunity came up for an area manager role in down in Victoria, in Melbourne. Same thing. So difficult conversation kind of with Bianca, because if, if, if you need to apply for a role like that, 
out of state, you almost have to mentally prepare. You have to think about the move schools. We had two kids at the time. So schools and neighborhoods, you almost have to mentally move before you even apply for the job. Mm. So we came up with the decision that, you know, she's keen if to apply and if we get it, we'll do the move and ended up, you know, from going for the role and got it. So we moved, moved the family down to Melbourne. Wow. That's yeah. So, and then you ended up in Perth as well. So like all these transitions, like what's, what's uh, a, a lot of flexibility in your life. I can see. I'm fairly mobile. I'm a nomadic <laughs> creature. So even when, so 2017 land in Melbourne. And so at the same time I got that role, there's another area manager, Harry, who started. And so there's me, Harry, and, and another lady named Fiona. So Harry and I were new in our roles. And, and I didn't, you obviously don't know it at the time, but that year in Melbourne in Vic would be the most difficult probably in my time in Kennard. So shortly after I got down there and we were kind of developing as a team, Fiona ended up getting sick and she had to, had to step away. So for that next year, it's just Harry and myself and you know the general manager, obviously Lance, but we were, we were managing, Harry and I were looking after all the branches in, in Melbourne by ourselves. So we were developing our roles, looking after a, a big portfolio each. And we also had to kind of deal with ended up the passing of one of our friends and colleagues. So it was, it was you know, definitely the diff, most difficult kind of year in, in my time within Kennards. And I think, I think those times, those difficult times that you go through though, I mean, I've got a, a fantastic rapport with Harry and the rest of the team down there. And I think when you go through those experiences together, it gives you you know, you kind of bond during that time and stuff. So it was definitely the most difficult time, but a lot of rewarding time and experience in, in Victoria. And then, so in, in 2019, mid 2019, the GM role became available in, in Perth in WA. Same thing. I, I had a conversation with Bianca and we, we hadn't really settled because there's only two years in, in Melbourne. So we hadn't really settled yet. We were looking to buy a house down there, but we hadn't. So the timing actually was pretty good. And, and she said, look, give it a crack. And if you get it, we do the move again. And in my mind, it was, it was a fairly easy decision to, to apply. It, it was a win-win in my mind. If I, if I got the job, you know, fantastic opportunity over in WA, career growth, et cetera. And if I didn't, I loved what I did in Victoria. So it was fairly, I couldn't really lose. So I ended up getting the job and that meant packing up the wife and three kids now and driving across the Nullarbor over to Perth. Wow, what a journey. Crazy. So so working in Queensland, Victoria, and, and now WA, so what do you think are some of the differences uh, in working in different states and the different markets? Because they all have very different, unique perspectives, I think. Yeah, they're definitely unique. I think, so in Brisbane, when I worked in Brisbane, I probably had a bit of a narrow kind of mindset. So I worked in, in Bowen Hills, which is just on the north side of, of the city. And I always probably basically focused on, on Brisbane. So most of our revenue and business came from high rise. There was a big high rise kind of boom at the time. So I didn't really know much about the Queensland business outside of that. So we've got branches up in, you know, the North of Queensland and Mackay and, and Townsville. So I, I didn't get involved with them much. So when I moved down to Victoria, it was a similar kind of market and, and business down there. So we were heavily involved with, you know, what's happening around Melbourne and, and infrastructure and building projects, et cetera. 
it was probably my biggest learning when I went down there. I ended up looking after the rail division. So Ken Arts Rail Division, traffic and, and test to measure. So a couple of the other market segments that we have, that was probably the biggest kind of learnings for me. But the biggest, I think the biggest difference was when I came over to WA. Perth is same thing, it's similar to Melbourne and Brisbane. But I think the market segment, when you look at the regional branches that we have here, that was probably the biggest eye-opener for me. So the first time I went up to the Croth and Port Hedland branches, it's a it's just a completely different, completely different market up there with customers and difference in, in equipment and compliance and the quantities and the distance. It was a, it was definitely an eye opener up there for me. Mm. And then working in the U.S. for a number of years as well. When you look at the U.S. market, just in general compared to the Australian market, what do you think the similarities or differences are? Uh, I mean, similarities are are the basis of what they do is all very similar. Over there, it's it's just the scale of everything. It's it's just big the the market's big the even the the businesses are big like when you when you look at what Sunbelt and United are it, they're just huge huge businesses and, and typically over there most of them don't just do hire like even at A to Z equipment we had so we had our 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 rental side and then we had sales side so we sold equipment we sold New Holland construction equipment we sold Mikasa, small plate compactors and, and the full range of lawn care equipment. And then we also had a workshop. So they, they typically do that everything. So mm. they try to, from, from start to finish with the customer. So a customer would come in, hire something. If he ends up needing it enough, we'll sell them a piece of equipment. And then we maintain that equipment for him for the life of the equipment. Whereas over here, it seems like it's a lot more just finessed and, and you do hire. That's what you do. You get good at it and you focus on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely see that. And it'd be interesting to dive a little bit deeper in the rail side. So we haven't had anyone talk in depth about the rail uh, opportunity within Australia in general. Had a couple of people talk through it as, as specialists, but within Kennards Hire for rail, like what is that? What is that opportunity? What does that mean when you say rail division? Yeah, so our it's it's rail maintenance is what what Kennards kind of focuses on. But I mean, we've got. And, and even the time that I've spent with rail, I, I still have a small understanding of what, of what our capabilities really are. Um, so Brian Hardy is a big, big leader of our rail division here. And I mean, pretty much what we do with that segment is, is rail maintenance. So we've got, we've, we've got some of the rail EWPs, but primarily it's a lot of the, the stuff to, to maintain and, and you know, keep the rail line up and running mm. and then that boom that, that as soon as they started opening up all those new uh rail lines throughout new south wales and then in victoria i'm assuming there was some additional work there uh, that, that boom just seems to be continuing yeah every, every year it just seems to be more and more people are involved in rail yeah the rail i mean you think about the rail infrastructure projects that are in every state right now it, it's huge and it's it's got a, a big forecast for the next you know 10 years there's a lot of a lot of money that's going to be stunt, spent on the rail infrastructure across Australia. It's huge. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity for small businesses as well because there's, there's so many opportunities for like small startups to even start their own hire business and, and to specialize in some, such a niche market. Because if you go back to advice to any of the, the icons, as I say, in the industry, even Andy Kennard in his episode, 
if I asked him what advice he would give to anyone starting a, a new business is focus on a, on a small market. Don't try and be everything to everybody, which it's very, it's uh, I think that's a really good opportunity that, that rail side. It would be, I think it's a tough, it's a tough business to get your head around though. Like the, the compliance and the, the skills and the knowledge that you need to have to do that, that segment. Well, um, it's, I think it's a, it'd be a tough rail itself would be a tough one, I think, to get kind of niched into. And that, I think that's why there's not, there's not a, actually a lot of people that, that have really gotten into the rail space. Mm, yeah. Now, in terms of challenges, you mentioned living in Victoria and being one of your, your toughest years in terms of working at Kennard. So how, how do you think your, your, your small team from a management level got through that stage? Was it working together closely? Like what, what was like, bouncing ideas off each other, taking breaks? Like how did you manage that tough period? Yeah, I think, and like I said, so Harry and I have a good, you know, good relationship, I think probably because of that. And I, I, I think the best thing about Kennard's Hire is it is that a very family orientated business and, and you can lean on people and, and, you know, have them help you when you need help. And, and, and I think that's just what it is. It's just part of the industry We're we're pretty, resilient creatures i think in the higher industry that you just kind of get on with it and i think you you look at stuff that you know no matter what we are kind of going through we had a friend that was going through something a lot worse than what we were going through so mm. kind of put stuff into perspective a bit with it so you just kind of get on with it and and get stuck in it and make it happen yeah definitely yeah i think having perspective like that really opens up your eyes around what you think is stressful compared to what someone else is going through that's for sure yeah Absolutely. So talking about challenges, uh, do you want to talk through some of the challenges that you faced even when you were back in the US when you first got in the industry and how do they differ from the challenges that you face today as a general manager? I think it's probably, it, it, it's all pretty much the same. So it's, it's people. So it's, it's interesting in, a, in an industry where you do, you, you hire equipment, you deal with equipment, the equipment side of it's the easy bit. It always comes back to people in some form of other. So when I was starting my career and developing, you know, customer service, et cetera, it's, I think the people element of it is, is customers and learning, you know, how to deal with conflict and customer resolution and, and kind of working from that. So I've, I've always been extremely passionate about customer service. It's, it's kind of a, a sticky point for me, but sometimes things go wrong. They just, the nature of our business. And I think working, finding ways to create win-win situations out of that was, was pretty big, pretty critical in my early stages of business and development. And then as, as I kind of progressed into more of a managerial you know, roles, those challenges shifted more from external, more into internal. Now, everywhere I've worked in Canada, as I mentioned, we've, I've been lucky to have really great teams around me, but you're always going to have difficult difficulties dealing with people and we spend so much time together with our work colleagues and teams there's there's bound to be conflict and that's it's inevitable and I think developing skills and learning how to deal with that conflict in a in a healthy manner is is how you you build great teams and how you become quality teams together Mm. yeah touching on the I guess even for new people in the industry like if you have a problem with a customer or something goes wrong that doesn't go to plan, you can't avoid the problem. Like it's always going to come back and get you. And I think it's great advice around having a focus on customer service and 
just about being honest with people and saying, look, this is what we promised and this is what we can deliver. And this is how we're going to solve your, your issue. I think the longer you make it wait, the worse it gets and they lose trust and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And that's why I tell the guys, like we, we will screw things up. It's, it happens and just be honest with them, tell them how you're going to fix it. And, and you know, you do your best. And a lot of times they just, they just want to know that you genuinely care that, you know, that you're, you're going to do your best to, to get it rectified. And I think that's even with, you know, when I get bad customer service, it's, it's, it kills me almost. So I want to make sure that our teams are doing the best they can to provide phenomenal customer service. Mm. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, something that I think is, is a true reflection of what the Kenatai brand is in general. I think the, the organization has got that, that family blend, as you, as you, as you mentioned, and, that customer service is a key element around when you walk into a Kansai branch, even when you, you reference, you went to Bowen Hills and then the 2IC walked out and greeted you with a smile and said, how are things going? Like that's probably a great example of what it means to have good customer service. Absolutely. So if you could give some advice to a fresh face yard man starting at Kansai in a couple of weeks or a month or tomorrow, what would you say? Yeah, I actually try to, I try to give this advice to most of them when they do start. And I, I just tell them to breathe. You know, it's the first six months in that, in that entry level role is, is extremely difficult. And I, from an outside perspective, kind of what we do seems simple. And I think until you, until you start getting involved with it, you know, they underestimate what it actually takes to do this role well in this industry. You know, we have we have several thousand pieces of equipment and you need to be able to do your job effectively. You need to know how to use, how to service, how to instruct a customer, how to use that. And then, you know, ultimately how to troubleshoot if, if they're having trouble with the piece of equipment and to get that knowledge for that many pieces of equipment, it, it takes time and they need to have a realistic expectation of what that is. And, and I tell people for the first six months, your head's going to hurt. You're learning a lot. So just kind of take your time, absorb as much as you can, ask as many questions and, and you'll get there. Mm. Yeah. And I think just showing an interest in the equipment as well and what the customers are trying to solve. I think if, if someone comes in and asks you for a bit of gear and you just give it to them and they leave, you're not really learning much about what the purpose of the gear is. You should be trying to figure out like what, what is the customer actually trying to do with this piece of equipment? And oh, I didn't realize that maybe they need something else or maybe, uh, and over time, your knowledge becomes more and more, even if you just see a yardie doing, doing a wash down, like you, you want to learn all that information because it's all in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're also big, I'm a big advocate, Kenards is as well of, of trying to get our staff to use equipment. So, you know, the best way, the best way to actually learn how something works is to actually take it home. And, you know, I'll never forget, you get these, these guys that start, and they asked to take home a stump grinder on the weekend. Absolutely, man. Just you know, make sure you're safe and you use it correctly. And they come back in after they've used that piece of equipment and you watch them when they do the next checkout to a customer with the equipment and they're showing them, you can watch them through the glass and they're saying, yeah, make sure you put the, the brake on the, the stump grinder. Otherwise it will smack you. And, and they, they, they learn so much just by using the equipment in, in the proper format. And I think that helps just speed up that training process immensely. Oh, for sure. I can imagine that. Yeah. So is there a big training program that cannot put their staff through and trying to learn the equipment? Because that's, that's a big challenge of 
hundreds of thousands of lines of equipment. Yeah. You, you know, the training's ongoing. And I mean, you talk to anybody who's been in, I've been here 20 years in the industry and plenty of people have been here 20, 30, 40 years, and you're still learning constantly with different pieces of equipment. So, you know, we do, we do a good thorough induction training when people come on board and, and they get, they get trained as fast as, you know, as much as we can information to put into them early days. But, and after that, a lot of it, a lot of it's just relying on on the job training with your, the team around you and, and the kind of coaching and mentoring side of the branch and, and the people around you to pass on that experience that everybody has down to the, the guys that are the guys and girls that are starting. Mm, for sure. All right. Well, let's learn a little bit more about you. So who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? I've had a really kind of lucky 20 years to work with some really good people. And when I think back about that, when I was an 18 year old, you know, kind of punky kid starting at, at Home Depot, one of the guys that kind of influenced me early days, his name's Eric Moffler, and, and not even really from the industry, but, you know, I learned kind of what good customer service was with him. You know, he turned up for work every day. He had a smile and positive attitude. And, and I, I took a lot from, from him early days when I was kind of developing in that space. And then one of my first managers at, at A to Z equipment, his name was Peter Hogan, this little Irish guy. And he, he just, I think from him, I learned the importance of team dynamics and, and the importance of people. And that's coming from, it's kind of coming f- when I came from Home Depot to, to A to Z equipment, you know, Home Depot was an extremely different kind of environment and, you know, I don't want to offend them or anything, but it was, it was, I was a number at Home Depot. It did not have that family feel like my store manager didn't know my name. <laughs> it's written on my apron, but he didn't know my name. And when you go to, when I went to A to Z equipment and we had, you know, Pete was big on that dyna- that team dynamic and that the people element. So that, that was something that stick with, stuck with me for my whole working life. And then at Kennards, you know, I've been extremely lucky to work with, you know, just great mentors along the way as well. And I'll never forget it. So I was, I think I was 2IC at the time. We have an awards night that week. And so a bunch of GSO was over and just doing tour around Brisbane. And Al Bezling stopped in to the branch. And we're talking, he's talking to the, to the team and, and a customer came in and I saw them pull around with the trailer and I started walking to go, you know, meet and greet the customer as well. And Al's, I think, nine feet tall. So he's got long legs. So by the time I started walking out, he had already, he was already at the door, unhooked a customer with a trailer and, you know, said, hope everything went well. You know, he's the CEO of the business. And that is critical. That was critical for him to make sure that he's out there, making sure the customers are getting that service. So I think that was something that's kind of always stuck in my head you know, watching, watching Al do that. But with Kennards, there's such a wealth of skills and knowledge and experience from, you know, SPDs who are just starting from outside the industry up to the board. And everybody's got such a good attitude towards that, that I think if, if you can absorb tiny percent of that while you're working, you, you greatly benefit. It's mm, amazing. I love that story with Al Bezling. And I also do agree he's quite tall, isn't he? <laughs> he's he's a, huge, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The um, I'll have to forward this podcast onto him. He'll, he'll like that story. <laughs> oh, that's great. So if you could go back to 
fresh face David at, at Home Depot, what advice would you give to yourself? Probably buy a couple thousand dollars of Bitcoin when it's 10 cents. <laughs> um, you know, for life, life or career advice, though, I'd probably tell myself to, you know, make sure you, you take time and enjoy, enjoy the steps and the time along the way. You know, sometimes I think I got, you just, you're pushing forward and you're, you're, you know, trying to grow and, and looking at the next step in your career that I don't think you fully appreciate the actual journey itself. And when, when I reflect back at, you know, the last 20 years, it, it's been an, an awesome 20 years. And I think when I was going through it though, I didn't, I didn't, don't think I fully appreciated a lot of those steps along the way. So I think that would be, you know, probably a more of a life lesson than career lesson, but that, that would mm. it'd be big. Yeah. Cool. Do you, do you see yourself living in the U S again, or do you, are you a uh, full grown Aussie now? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm dual citizen technically, but I, I don't think I'll ever go back. I'll go back to visit. I got a lot of family and friends back in the States, but um, it's a pretty good, pretty good lifestyle in, in Australia. So I, I don't think we'd ever, I don't think we'd ever go back there to live. It's quite amazing that you've seen, even just from a working perspective, so much of Australia as well. A lot of people, their careers are set in one city or one state. And the fact that you've lived in multiple countries, lived, worked in multiple cities, I think is a real good learning experience as well for you and your family. Yeah, extremely. I mean, I, I feel blessed with, you know, even just in WA and I've been able to to spend time. We've got branches up in, you know, Broome and Kununurra and, you know, to see that side of the world that, you know, a lot of people probably will never get the chance to see. I feel extremely blessed for some of the opportunities that I've, been, I've had. It's good. Yeah. And finally, how do you define success? So success to me is, is making a positive influence um, and impact on the business and, and the people that I work with. You know, I've mentioned team dynamics a lot. I just think they're so critical in, in having an effective and efficient business and, and, and having our people enjoy what they're doing and roles that they enjoy doing. It's a huge part of that. So I think, you know, for personal success for me, I think if, if people I have worked with along the way, you know, refer to me as someone who has had a big influence on the career from a mentor and coaching perspective, you know, at, at some stage when I'm, when I'm hanging up the, hanging up the apron, I think it would be, it'd be a big personal success for me. Awesome. Awesome. All right, David. Well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Uh, thanks, Mark. This podcast episode was proudly supported by our premier partner, Kennard's Hire.